Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, I want to start off the teaching time just with a, a question, and that question is, what does Jesus smell like? Um, last last week in, in the Zoom House Church, Dennis led us. Uh, I was really excited um, for how he led us, and he just reminded us that the gospel stories invite us to engage all of our senses. Um, and and we were talking about Raz, Lazarus being raised from the dead, and there was a lot of concern as Jesus said, "Roll the stone away," because they thought, "Well, he's going to be stinky. He's been in there for four days." Um, and and as John continues to write, he in, continues to engage our senses. So the question this morning is, what does Jesus smell like? Um, we're going to be looking at John chapter 12 this week, um, but before uh, I invite Jenny to read it with me, I just want to kind of do, a, as Tim did with Exodus, I want to do just a recap of what, what's been happening in the gospel of John and what he's showing us about who Jesus is. We started in the gospel of John uh, quite a while ago, and it feels even longer because of uh, pandemic. Um, so just a recap of where we've been. And um, as we kick this off, I mentioned that Jesus, uh, John paints Jesus in this beautiful um, imagery that's kind of like a kaleidoscope um, as he tells different stories and as he identifies who Jesus is, as he's the revealer of God the heart of God. And so um, just a recap of what that kaleidoscope has, of Jesus has looked like so far. Um, John chapter one, John presents Jesus as the word, the word who has been with God since the beginning, who was God in the beginning and created all things. All things were created through Jesus. And then the word became flesh became human. He entered into the creation, into the world he created to reveal God's grace, truth, and glory, and to make those who faith in him, those who put their trust in him, to make them children of God. And then John the Baptist declares he is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus came, as, as Tim was teaching, to take away that sin and to build that bridge between us and God. And he goes out and he calls disciples to come and see, come see who I am and I will show you who the father is. And then he turns water into wine. He turns over tables in the temple, declaring it that it is God's house and that it is his father's house and not a marketplace. And then in chapter three, as Tim mentioned earlier, he is the one and only son of God, the unique son of God, whom God sent because of his love for the world that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life with God. And because he was sent for the whole world, he then goes to Samaria, this place that was like off limits for Jews. He goes to Samaria because he came for the whole world and he meets a woman there and he offers her living water. He offers himself to her as living water. And then she receives that living water and goes out into this village and shares the living water with the whole village. Then he comes back and, he, and on his way back, he heals a government official's son who is gravely ill. Then he heals a man who has been sick for 38 years, sick and lame for 38 years. And Jesus shows up and says, get up and walk. And as he does that, he declares that he is the son of God who does the will of his father. 
Then he feeds 5,000 people with just a few loaves and a couple pieces of fish. And he declares to the people, I am the bread of life. I am the manna sent down from heaven. I am the manna from God. I'm the bread of life. Then he promises living water. He is the rock who is the living water that God has poured out to any who come to him. And he forgives a woman caught in adultery, proving himself to be the one who forgives sins. And he also draws out the sins of others, trying to bring them into the light, because he says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. He also declares that he is the truth that sets people free. And then on the Sabbath, he heals a man who had been born blind and again declares himself the light of the world and the giver of sight. And then he says, I am, the sh- I am the gate for the sheep to enter the sheepfold, and I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He is both the gate and the good shepherd. And then... Last week and and the week before, we talked about John chapter 11, and he raises Lazarus, his good friend who had been dead for four days, and he speaks to Lazarus's two sisters, Mary and Martha, saying, I am the resurrection and the life. So we've seen all of these stories of Jesus, and throughout these stories, he has wept He has been tired. He has been angry. He has been thirsty. He has turned water into wine. He has multiplied bread and fish. He has healed the sick. He has given sight to the blind. He has raised the dead. And throughout all of this, I'm guessing his feet have gotten pretty dirty and smelly from all the places he's walked. And that brings us to John chapter 12. And I'm going to invite my beautiful wife, Jenny, to read with me from John 12. All right, reading from the New Living Translation, if you want to follow along. John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus's honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priests decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. The next day, the The news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, 
Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey on it and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name, and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come, when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. The crowd responded, we understood from scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say the Son of Man will die? Just who is this Son of Man anyway? Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time, and you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. But despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe. For as Isaiah also said, the Lord, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and have me heal them. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this, because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. 
Many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Jesus shouted to the crowds, if you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me for I have come to save the world and not judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. I don't speak on my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the father tells me to say. Thanks, Jenny. And so throughout chapter 12, we have all of these echoes of what God has been speaking of what Jesus has been doing. And there's echoes of Exodus story that Tim was sharing with us. There's all these echoes um, and we could we could spend a ton of time uh, talking about all of these things, but I just I just want to real briefly share um, just some some thoughts about uh, this this chapter that stick out to me. Um, right away in the beginning, we have Mary anointing Jesus' feet with expensive perfume. I mentioned that Jesus probably had some stinky feet at this time. Uh, I can't imagine what that smelled like for Mary but she humbled herself and burst open this expensive perfume. And it becomes like this anointing of him as a king. Can you imagine this Mary anointing Jesus as the king? And we can see this because immediately after this, Jesus marches into Jerusalem. And the people are hailing him as king of Israel. Now, the people have tried to do this before. Back in John chapter 6, they tried to make him as king. But Jesus escaped from them because he wasn't going to be forced to be king. But now is his time and Mary has anointed him to be king. And so he enters into Jerusalem and they are hailing him king of Israel. And he mounts a donkey in fulfillment of Zechariah 9. But also to demonstrate what kind of king he is. He is the king of peace. He is the reconciling king. Something that's been really interesting to me as I've looked at this passage is after he enters in and, and the Pharisees say, look, the whole world is coming to him. He, the whole world is going after Jesus. Well, yes, because Jesus came for the whole world. But John specifically calls out the Greeks as those who come to see him. And if you go back and read Zechariah 9, it points out that there is still hostility between Israel and the Greeks, that there is still hostility between God's people and Greece, even as the king of peace comes riding on a donkey. And I just find it fascinating that here Jesus is coming, and now the Greeks are coming to him, reconciling. Recognizing him as the reconciler of the world. Recognizing him as the king of peace. And so they say, we, we, we want to see Jesus. Can we see him, Philip? And Philip isn't quite sure what to do. So he goes and finds Andrew. And Andrew's not quite sure what to do. So they go tell Jesus. 
And Jesus speaks something profound. He says, yes, they will see me. The whole world will see me when I am lifted up. He says, this is the kind of king I am. This is who God is. The time has come for me to be lifted up in death as I lay my life down for the world, for the healing, the reconciliation, the forgiveness, the redemption, the freedom of the world. I lay myself down. I will be lifted up in death on a cross. I will be lifted up in resurrection power in life. And I will be lifted up to heaven to be with God again. The whole world will see. This is the kind of king I am. This is who God is. This is the king we serve. The king who lays down his life for the world. For us. And Jesus has this really hard saying, and it's actually in all of the Gospels, in different wording, but anyone who wants this life must lay it down like I do. Jesus said, if you love your life in this world, you will lose it. But if you're willing to lose your life in this world, you will have it eternally with God. And as he says this, there's echoes of the beginning of the chapter. And we could contrast this with Mary and Judas in that initial story. Mary has laid down her life at the feet of Jesus. She has rightly estimated his worth. And Judas is trying to cling to his life, seeking wealth, seeking his own, um, his own upbuilding seeking to promote himself where Mary lays herself down. And so Jesus, in Jesus' words here, he, he echoes back to what we've seen from Mary and Judas. Mary lays down her life because she recognizes who Jesus is. She recognizes that he is the king of inestimable worth. And in laying down our lives to Jesus, giving him all we are and all we have, we rightly estimate his worth. And when we do that, just like Mary, the fragrance of Christ fills the room. So what does Jesus smell like? He smells like giving himself in love to us. And for different people, that might be different things. I'm sure we can all think of people who we have encountered who had the fragrance of Christ on them because they laid down their life because they knew the inestimable worth of King Jesus. This is the fragrance of Christ, life and love poured out, fully surrendered to God. And that surrender to God will lead us in different pathways to serve him. But it starts solely with pouring ourselves out to him. And then he begins to put passions on our heart that we follow to see his kingdom made manifest in the world today. Watchman Nee writes, uh, writes of this story in the last chapter of his classic book, The Normal Christian Life. And he says, the odor that filled the house that day in Bethany still fills the church today. Mary's fragrance never passes. It needed but one stroke to break the flask for the Lord. But her action, that unreserved giving, and the fragrance of that anointing abides. We are speaking here of what we are and not of what we do or what we preach. 
It comes now from the heart, from the very depth of our being. And we come to the Lord with that and we break it and pour it out and say, Lord, here it is. It's all yours because you are worthy. It is then that our lives become filled with the fragrance of Christ. God become flesh. The king who lays down his life for us, his fragrance takes hold of our life. In the message, Eugene Peterson paraphrases this this difficult teaching of Jesus, where he says, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. The message says this, anyone who holds on to life just as it is, destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you will have it forever, real and eternal. If you let go of your life, if you're reckless in your love for God, and I know we've sang this song a lot in Renew, the reckless love of God. This is the model of our king who loves us recklessly, who is willing to lay down his life for us, and he invites us into that uncoerced, just like Mary, offering whatever it is we have to be reckless in our love for Christ, and that leads us out to our neighbors. Because the inestimable worth of Christ is demonstrated in the immense worth that he gives to those for whom he gave his life. So Jesus invites us to follow his model of laying ourselves down for him and following him to those around us who need to smell the fragrance of Christ, the deep love that we have for him And it causes them to hunger and thirst for what we have. I want to close the teaching time by reading from Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Jesus, we bow down at your feet today. Because you have poured out your life for us. And so we say, thank you, Jesus. And we want to pour out our love on you, anointing you as the worthy king. You are worthy of everything that we are and everything that we have. So we surrender our lives and ask that you would pour us out for the sake of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, 
would like more information about Renew or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.